0: Uh, I'm going to talk about celebrity chefs today as political activists. Um, so the outline for the talk, so I want to situate this talk in, in my broader card- sort of swath of work that I'm interested in thinking, uh, thinking about. I've got some really raw audience uh, survey results, so <clears throat> not done a lot of analysis around this sort of stuff. Maybe you can let me know what you think of some of the responses that we've got from people. Um, and, then, and then a little bit more, uh, more broad scale, um, uh, you know, macro level thinking about some of the results from the survey and my engagements with celebrity chefs and food television programs and politics and then, and then just a bit more broadly. So some of the things that I'm thinking about in the context of chefs, media, and food and consumer activism um, and how we might go about thinking about that based on some of the things that I've found. Although I won't go through um, all of the questions from the survey. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm happy to talk through them. So, just to situate this talk a little bit, I'm, I'm, this is part of a much sort of wider set of questions for me, um, starting with how, how are kind of contemporary society and nature relationships, society and humanitarian or development relationships, society and food relationships being governed? <clears throat> and for me, these three relationships are being mediated and framed by the media in the form of celebrities, right? So, celebrities are these these sort of, well, we can think about them in a whole range of different ways, but really as kind of mediators between the audience and, and the topic and these concerns, right? So, you think about um, celebrities and the environment. Here's Vanity Fair, the uh, the uh, magazine of record for Hollywood, had a series of green issues, right? We've got Leonardo DiCaprio, who is now the official UN representative around climate change. I'm sure he'll be traipsing around Paris, all that sort of stuff, right? So we've got all these celebrities pronouncing on on these things. We now have celebrities talking about humanitarianism. There's George Clooney leaving the White House after speaking to President Obama. We have Bill Gates. Well, there's the halo. Sorry about that. So, right? So Bill Gates doing all these things in Africa, all sorts of different things that he does. Um, we had Pharrell who spoke uh, at uh, the UN about happiness and well-being, right? So talking about development and those sorts of things, humanitarianism. Um, And then we can even divide up Africa by celebrities now, right? So which ones go into which countries? It's really fascinating. Uh, All these, you know, resonance around neocolonialism, etc. We'll just leave it there for now. Food, obviously, right? So this is is the Enough Food If campaign. It was a couple years based out of Hyde Park. We've got Bill Gates again turning up like a bad penny. We've got the Olympics guy. We've got Rita Ora. Is that her name? Yeah. yeah. So she's on The Voice or whatever she is now, right? So they were in the front of this sort of thing. Um, we've also got, of course, Paul McCartney and Meatless Mondays. And then, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Americans pay attention to these things. Snoop Dogg Dogg, right, has given away uh, 1,500 turkeys to uh, very poor people in the United States for Thanksgiving, right? So celebrities are everywhere. And of course we have celebrity chefs, and here they are. So this is some of early work around, um, Jamie's work around uh, the school food things, he's certainly moved on from that. We've got Hugh Friendly Whittingstall around the fish fight, have you all seen the fish fight? Yeah? So he was there, he was concerned about um, quotas and throwing fish back that were healthy, all that sort of stuff, and he did a lot of work, that was over over three three years, he's moved it into a global, global campaign now. Here's the website around the program. Um, It was massive, they got all these people to sign an online petition. There's there's Coldplay uh, even involved in this. They're involved in everything, right? Can't get rid of Coldplay, they're everywhere. Um, So so there we are, so just to convince you that celebrities are really important. We've got Jamie focused on sugar and superfoods now, that's his latest campaign. Um, And if you can tell me what this guy is the face of, you and I have a project together, right? So there he is talking about all sorts of different things, but he's at the forefront of media coverage around politics and voting and the government, all those sorts of things, right? So celebrities are very much in the forefront of of politics now, I would say, and argue. So in a sense, we've seen the kind of celebritization of environment, humanitarianism, and food. And I tend to think about celebrities as kind of tools of governance, right? The idea that they use their fame to bring awareness to causes, or governance tools, in the sense that they are out doing the work and putting in place programs. Um, For example, Matt Damon has water.org. That's his campaign. He thinks we should do microloans for clean water. He's out there. He's doing the work. Okay, So they're also out there doing the work. So I'm going to talk about celebrity chefs as political actors today. Celebrity chefs, I think, at this particular moment have what these two authors have called the kind of culinary capital to pronounce and the fame around food politics. I'm interested in thinking about what audiences think. We don't have a sense of that, right? We can do all sorts of analysis about framing how they go about creating sorts of discourses around food. What do people actually think? That's one of the things that has been missing from this work. So to me, it's a kind of a, a way to build on the work that's come out of geography around food and biopolitics. So David Nally, Julie, and Becky Mansfield, where they have really looked at just the discourses around food and the biopolitics around that. I want to I want to look at the ways that these discourses get created and framed, the biopolitics of the framing, but also how people take them on. What do they do with them? What do they do with this sort of information around celebrity chefs and politics? So. For me, what are the biopolitical implications of food media? So for example, how are things being framed? But also what do audiences think, and what do they do with this food media? Okay? So that's the larger uh, context around the survey. Here's some information around the food survey that I've done. It's approximately 600 people, this was an online survey, the majority of them were uh, female. I did, a, I did a lot of this work in conjunction with a, a student, Christine Barnes, who's published on this. Um, in in GeoForum in this special issue, um, so I think a lot of these were her friends. She went out and spoke to them to get them to do the uh, to do the survey. Majority of people were between 18 and 40, um, and you can see the educational levels there. Um, more information: We're going to do some focus groups. She's done quite a few interviews on with uh, food media types, which also filters into her paper, which I'll mention in a minute. But I'm not going to talk about today. So, how are these things being? constructed as programs for the chefs themselves. So some of the questions on the survey. We asked about the awareness of chefs and the programs themselves, how and where do people more generally get information about their food, so we want to test and see where did chefs fit in uh, people's sort of engagements with information about food more broadly. What were the reasons that people had for watching chefs and programs themselves? Um, What were the effects on the affects that people have then with food and with the programs and with the chefs? And then a series of questions about chefs as political actors. And given the topic of today, I'm going to focus on chefs as political actors. I know this is not about digital media, it's about television programs, but I hope some of this will resonate in terms of some of the things that you might be seeing in the context of digital media. So let's get into some of the questions and some of the raw results and data. One of the questions we asked is, do you think chefs should be doing more than teaching people how to cook? For example, should they be speaking out about the food we eat and food politics? What do you think people said, yes, no? No. Yes, Yes. okay, so 52% said yes. 27% maybe, 19% no. I'll come back to some of these maybes in a minute. Second question, well, no, tied into that, we had people sort of give us more qualitative responses. So opinion in the, in the qualitative responses was divided between those who think celebrity chefs have a responsibility, and their political voices are good things, those who think that they have a responsibility and this is necessary to engage with the public, and those who don't think celebrity chefs should be doing anything except cooking, if that, right? So here are some of the responses. Yes, absolutely yes. They have an in-depth knowledge of their subject, a great deal of passion about it, and sharing that passion and knowledge. Can educate people in a way that dry data on leaflets cannot. So the use of celebrity there is important. For another people, no, they already get too much celebrity status for not doing anything. And chefs are chefs. Anything they do is to sell books and themselves. I eat what I like. Now question: What do you think motivates chefs to participate in food politics, i.e., getting governments to change food policy and becoming involved in debates in debates around food beyond cooking? this is is a percentage of all the responses, because you can pick more than one. So 84% of all the respondents' response is people checked personal concern over an issue. Second, 73% as a way to raise their own public profile. Interesting. 55% as a way for them to expand on their brand. 55% to be seen to be giving back and doing more than just cooking. And there's the rest of the responses. So wider social concern also gets 50%. Um, and then you can see the rest of it down there. Okay? Moving on to the next one. Keep that in mind, okay? So because I'm gonna do I'm gonna make a couple statements about this in a second. Do you think they are knowledgeable or could be considered experts in food politics? What do you think the response was? Yes, no? It's maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's important. This is important because I, I think this illustrates something. So sixty percent maybe. Twenty-one percent yes, nineteen percent no. Does a celebrity chef's expertise in cooking food lend them greater credibility in speaking out on food-related issues? Please elaborate. So this is that. This is sort of probing people's understanding of who is able to speak about topics, right? So often in the media you'll see, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio shouldn't be talking about the environment. What the hell does he know about it? So Christine and I were thinking, well, maybe it's slightly different with chefs because they have a skill, right? They know how to do something. They have knowledge. We want to kind of probe that. Right, so is it potentially different for chefs in terms of how they're considered as experts on speaking about these things? 58% yes, 29% maybe, 12% no. So the elaboration, right? So just summarizing here, most people recognize that most chefs have above average knowledge about food, particularly around issues of cooking, quality, provenance, and sourcing. However, many people question expertise beyond that, and they are not a substitute or replacement for the expertise of nutritionists, dietitians, and scientists, which I think is quite helpful. Yes. They also recognize that expertise and credibility are highly dependent both on the chef and on the issue at hand. That is important. Hold on to that for a second. While they may be highly skilled as a chef and gain public trust and respect through their TV profile, this does not automatically render them experts in all aspects of food and food politics. Context matters. The chef matters. The topic matters. In terms of how people understand these things, that's important. Who do you consider to be an expert in food politics and why? Just a general question. Chef's was in there. Jamie Oliver. So we named people, right? And we wanted to name them. Jamie Oliver came first. Hugh Friendly Winningstall came second. They were both perceived as knowledgeable, engaging, and caring, combined with their work in cooking and more political campaigns, uh, that garnered them respect, trust, and credibility from the public. One of the quotes is, knowing what they're talking about is important to this. Longsta- and they have these long standing campaigns. This is about the time, it was a little bit after Jamie's school dinner campaign, was right in the middle of Hugh's fish bites. So they were very much in the media. So I think media profile at that particular moment matters. Although academics and nutrition and diet experts did figure, um, Tim Lang got mentioned by name, which is really interesting. Okay. Which characteristics do you think are important in allowing chefs to speak on food issues? Right. So what are the characteristics about certain people that allows them to speak on these topics? Interesting responses. What do you think came first? What do you think people put? What characteristics are important in allowing chefs to speak about a topic? Passion. Huh? Passion. Appeal. Appeal. You're very close. Genuine interest or concern in the issue. 49% 49% knowledgeable about food, health, and cooking, expertise. And then these things follow off. I love this. 7% skilled as a cook. <laughs> right? So there's something interesting between interest, knowledge. Knowledge and skill are not necessarily related. I don't know. It's really interesting to see this and start to parse through it. Charisma, 13% is down there. Don't know. All of this needs to be probed through focus groups and more interviews. Okay. So just a quick summary. How am I doing for time? To find you another um, 10 minutes. 10 minutes? No, yeah, because yeah, we, yeah, yeah, 15 minutes. Right, actually, excellent. Okay, okay, excellent. So, just to give you a quick summary, some of the things I'm thinking that are coming out of this. Chefs are a kind of embodiment in this case from the responses. I know surveys like this are very problematic. I know there are very, lots of limitations, but <clears throat> from this, I think we can start to see that people are thinking of chefs as this kind of embodiment of philanthropic capitalism or social entrepreneurship, right? So they raise awareness about an issue, but they're also raising their own profile. And we need to probe more about whether or not that's a good thing, it's just that it is becoming recognized as part, I think, of the normalization of how we engage with, for example, food politics or humanitarianism, right? Same thing around comic relief. A lot of people will say, they're doing good work. Of course, they're also raising their profile, because we did some questions about comic relief. So there's, there's something about... People are, are, I don't know if they're cynical about it, but they're thinking in very, very nuanced ways about it, which is which is really interesting. There's an ambivalence on the kind of expertise in food politics, I think. This really depends on the celebrity chef. I call the Bono effect, right? So, if you can't stand Bono, don't like what he has to say, are you going to care what he says about AIDS in Africa? Maybe, maybe not. So, the the kind of the 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 um, charisma and the personal likability of these people is really important. Same with the concern and the cause. People will continually say, actually, it's the cause. I'm interested in that particular cause. Celeb is just on the side; they're raising awareness. Um, they're just bringing my eyes to it, but it's actually the cause. So there are interesting relationships between the celebrity, who they are, individually, and how people individually think about that, as well as the individuals and how, what they think about particular causes that raises awareness and gets them interested in things. And this is tied to, um, I was just mentioning this, uh, David Marshall, who works on Celebrities and Power, is doing some work around persona studies. So if you're interested in following up some of that stuff, he's, he's working on that. The idea that the persona really matters in terms of what celebrities can say and what they can't. Cooking expertise and knowledge about the topic adds to the ability to speak out, i.e. knowledge matters versus other celebrities. So indeed it does matter, right? So chefs get get slightly more credibility and ability to speak out about food politics unlike, I think, um, or very differently than, say, somebody like uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio or George Clooney, etc. Okay? So there's, 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 there's more going on there, um, given who they are and the kind of skills that come, or at least the perceived skills that come along with that. Um, but nutritionists still hold sway. Also key was being genuine, sense of authenticity. We like that, we like that authenticity. They're being genuine, they're passionate, they're ca- they care about, about an issue, is really important. So it's not just the knowledge; it's about it's about the affect of the of the of the celebrity themselves that's really important, and that performance. I think it's going back to what you're saying about performance. Okay, so I want to think a bit more broadly in the context of food consumer activism, more broadly across my survey and some results, and some of the things I've been thinking about in terms of food media uh, and chefs and food programs. So three things. The first is let's think conceptually and analytically around this. For me, this is about these programs attempt to create these kind of neoliberalized moments of possibility. The idea that the information is there, it's out there. They're trying to get us to change the way we think about things through these moments of possibility. We can take them up or not. Right? Very much tied to kind of the you know uh, biopolitics, governance, neoliberalization of um, of society, that sort of thing. But interesting across two separate areas, I think. This is about getting us to think about moments of possibility around self and other care. So self-care, care care for others in the family, right cooking for the family, but also other care in the sense of caring about the environment. So the um, the fish fight was about caring about fish and the environmental health as well. So this is about making us angry, it's about making us disgusted at the waste, making us more knowledgeable, more able to care for ourselves and our others, through recipes, through the right things to buy, etc. These are also political moments, I think. It's about motivating or attempting to motivate political choice and activism. Again, use Fish Fight. A big part of that campaign was to get people to eat different types of fish. It's great, it's tasty, this is stuff your grandparents used to eat, as well as sort of this gorilla shopping, going into Sainsbury's and saying, I don't want cod, I want something else that is harder to get and is more sustainable. Right? So that was part of the program there. So creating these moments of possibility through media is really important in these, um, in, these, in these programs and the role that chefs are taking on by being political. Second, I think digital activism, touching on today, is only one part of many of these campaigns. It's an incredibly important part, but it's only one part. So for example, you take the fish bite. It's what I call this kind of the socio-technological, to be jargony, landscapes of care that cross and engage many different forms and formats of media ecology. So it's not just one particular platform. So Hugh's Fishbite was on TV, YouTube was important, his website was incredibly important, because it had lots of content. It was an online petition, Facebook, apps, Twitter, blogs, you can buy the t-shirt, etc., so how these things cross and engage and cross fertilize across the media ecology, I think, is really interesting and important for us to think about. But social media are increasingly important spaces for audiences to talk back to chefs and campaigns, and that's where Christine's work has come in. So this piece she's done in Geoform is in ways that um, people in the public realm talk back to chefs in two ways. One is, it provides them a space to show their engagements with the chef's food. So for example, people on Twitter will take Jamie's um, recipes, they'll cook them, they'll take pictures of them, they'll go, hey Jamie, look what I did with food. He will then pick a bunch of his favorite stuff and retweet it, or tweet it himself. So they're able to, he's able to show, ah, look at all these people engaging with my stuff. Secondly, it provides space for people to speak back when chefs kind of go off script. So I don't know if you remember this, but Jamie made some particularly disparaging comments about poor people choosing large televisions and eating chips and cheese out of styrofoam containers um, and, and not choosing to eat healthy food. Well, he got loads of backlash from that. Um, not just from Jack Monroe, who's the resident poverty uh, blogger on The Guardian, but on Twitter as well. So it allows people this space to talk back, and then his campaign will make changes and do things, come out, make apologies, etc. So they're able to respond back and forth to the public and to the audience in interesting ways. And then third, chef's impact seems to be ambiguous at best. I'm going to dive back into my survey to show you why. And think about this in the context of digital media is, is for you guys but I think it's really interesting as well one of the questions we ask people where do you most regularly look for information about food i.e. what and how to eat what do you think people put what's number one internet, no no parents. parents, friends and family is number one food labels is next internet, so there we are chefs, eh, maybe not so much Okay, down to twenty nine. Right? So so these these forms of communication are sort of in parallel or connected up to all these other social networks that we have. Where do people get information about what to eat? And I think you could think more broadly in terms of the politics around food as well. What kind of politics should I have? Well, friends are really important to impact those things, not just social media. So how these work together is really important. The kind of media ecology as a person that we engage with is important. Second question, for the shows you watch regularly, please tell us why. Please tick all that apply. Why do people watch cooking shows? Yes, entertainment is number one. Just happened to be on. Goes all the way down, looking for information about food is down at the bottom. Wanting to learn how to cook food, yeah, 40%, it's a little bit up there. Interesting finding. So it's about entertainment. Food entertainment just happened to be on serendipitous engagements. Do you care more about what or how you eat as a result of watching a particular celebrity chef? What do you think the response is? Yes. No. I keep getting them. But I think this is this is really (laughs) interesting, and I think what this says is that people are already interested in food, and then they come to watch the shows. So it's important how we, how we constructed this question. People are already interested in it and come to watch it. They already care about food. So what does that say about food activism as well? Is it bringing in new people or is it people who are already interested in food and food politics? Interesting thing to think about. And that's it.